This is the official podcast of the Academy for Women in Academic Emergency Medicine Anniversary Interviews, celebrating 10 years of progress. This is your host, Michelle Lin, co-chair of the 10-year anniversary task force. And this week, I speak with Dr. Cheryl Heron, professor and associate dean at Emory University, about the intersection between AWEM and ADIEM, the Academy for Diversity and Inclusion in Emergency Medicine, and the importance of maintaining anchors as she rose through academia. Welcome. Thank you. It's glad to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Of course. So uh, if you could please start by just telling me a little bit about where you are in your career and how it was that you got there. Uh, thank you, Michelle. So currently, I'm a professor of uh, emergency medicine at Emory University School of Medicine, vice chair for administrative affairs in our department, one of our assistant deans for clinical affairs in the School of Medicine, and right now am the associate director for education and training for the Injury Prevention Research Center at Emory. So July 22nd uh, marked my 22nd year um, at Emory. Uh, quite reflective, really, because it was also the day we welcomed the class of 2022 to the School of Medicine. And to say uh, I've come a long way in emergency medicine and medicine is, is no uh, understatement. Um, Arthur Kellerman, uh, the visionary who recruited me to Emory, really uh, had a, a big picture in mind, which was to ensure uh, diversity and inclusion uh, in our department and to create a department that would be nationally known and perhaps internationally renowned for our expertise in various domains. That's really great. Um, certainly a tremendous amount of time and um, uh, many titles. I'm sure <laughs> you're incredibly busy, uh, so we're really grateful that you made the space for this. Absolutely. Uh, tell me a little bit about your involvement in women-focused professional organizations over the course of your career. You know, it's an interesting uh, question, and I have to say perhaps <clears throat> I'm a late breaker to the party um, for women in medicine. And I say that not because it's not an area of interest and focus for me, but my lens really started out uh, looking from the lens of being an African-American uh, woman in medicine. So. Interestingly enough, when I evolved in my life's journey, um, I always likened my sort of presence to being that women see me and, and or people see me, and the first thing they may see is that I'm African-American or black, and perhaps secondarily, there it may be that I'm a woman. And so the majority of my earlier life really focused on being an underrepresented minority, and I'm not really a fan of that term, frankly. I'm more underrepresented in medicine, which is the most appropriate uh, term. And I've evolved lately to understand the intersectionality across race and gender and all the other things that make us unique and make us uh, different. And my initial foray into organizations that uh, really focused on women was my uh, engagement really with the AAMC uh, really, they were looking at the AMC minority affairs piece, but I was able to meet women and others uh, in medicine through that lens. And as I grew and developed at Emory in particular, I got involved with the Dean's Committee on the Status of Women here at Emory and started to really appreciate and understand uh, the nuances.
differences that women must have together to work together to affect and make change. So from the ground here at Emory, I was uh, introduced to uh, Dr. Nadine Caslow, who's a staunch uh, advocate for women's health and one who I would argue is my mentor. And she really started to, through our conversations, bring to me the issues on gender and gender equity and parity uh, on the school level, which really sort of affirmed and reaffirmed diversity writ large, but more specifically from the lens of being a woman. From there, I can tell you, um, as I grew and developed and published and moved to my uh, associate professor level and then became a dean, I was invited to participate in ELAM, which is the Executive Leadership Academy in Medicine, which is a phenomenal program for women. Uh, women uh, at associate professors or so or higher with the sole intent for developing women um, in their career uh, through a very rigorous and intense and really quite frankly um, competitive program that could help women not only share um, their goals but also to feel a sense of camaraderie and a, and a sense of support. So the executive leadership and academic medicine out of Drexel really cemented and, and enlightened me, if you will, uh, to what uh, could be uh, available for women uh, when they have the tools and the skill sets and uh, the support of other women to move forward. How do you feel like AWEM has evolved potentially to meet the needs of professional women of color? So it's interesting. Um, <clears throat> AWEM certainly a beacon of light for all the other academies uh, in SAEM with my uh, being the inaugural president for the Academy for Diversity and Inclusion in Emergency Medicine, I had to say I didn't really appreciate nor understand how all of the academies within SAEM could be or should be intricately linked. And I have to tell you, uh, when ADIM was born in 2012, we were myopically perhaps focused on certainly underrepresented in medicine, meaning specifically uh, black people, Latina, and others, because it was born out of the diversity interest group, uh, which over time uh, developed and evolved to the, to the Academy for Diversity and Inclusion in Emergency Medicine. From my work as a founding chair of ADIM, it became increasingly clear to me that we are not made up of one part. And while we talk about diversity and equity and inclusion, it is really multifactorial uh, what one brings to the equation and their narrative called life. And it struck me that while in, with intent, um, based on the history of African-Americans in medicine, that was the purpose of really focusing on blacks and Latina, it became clear that working together across all facets of diversity would be a no-brainer. And in that year of my presidency, we evolved and reached out to our colleagues uh, who are LGBT. Uh, over the years, uh, I started to examine and look at AWEM because 
there are women, women of color, women of color who are LGBT, women of color who are LGBT who perhaps may have need for accommodations. And it became a question of how do we bridge and become stronger together. And in looking at AWEM's foundation and the people who started it, I, I was very enamored by the intent, the excellence, the focus, um, and the ability for AWEM to serve as a foundational place for other academies to come. And joining AWEM, admittedly perhaps, you know, quote-unquote late to the party, has been really uh, a blessing for me uh, to see women who are leaders, who are galvanizing and mobilizing across the spectrum of women in emergency medicine, from medical students to senior leadership. That's quite inspiring. The short answer is I didn't personally feel that my gender might have been um, a, a barrier for my advancement, but others brought it to my attention that it could have been. Now, now, that said, I can tell you that when I am asked to participate on panels or other arenas in which there are women, I can tell you in full candor, uh, there is a myopic view at times, not all the time, but at times, to talk about white women, who I love dearly, and I bring the voice of, well, but wait, uh, in addition to women, white women, there are women of color, and there are ways we should intertwine and ensure that that narrative is also a part of the conversation. And so my, and I've spoken about this, I, I spoke on a women's leadership panel for ASAP a few years ago and brought in the narrative of women of color to say, well, please don't ignore and or forget uh, that women, within our women uh, population, we are diverse as well. And it's not just race. It's also sexuality. It's also child, children and child-rearing. Um, it's also aging. It's all of the pieces of the puzzle. And so the gender piece is just a small piece, I think, of a larger piece when we look at um, how women in fill-in-the-blank, all of the pieces that women bring, um, can strengthen our individual as well as collective narrative. Are there other ways in which involvement in gender-based professional organizations has perhaps translated to greater gender equity in your own work environment? Yeah, so um, within my department, yes, promotions committee, but I've been involved on the school level. Um, we are working towards looking at gender equity and parity and in, in the School of Medicine. We don't have an office per se, but it is clearly um, a part of the narrative as it should be across um, our enterprise. So it's our department, our school, our healthcare center, our university. There is a clear need to be that voice and to push to ensure that what we see is not simply just window dressing where you have uh, a larger number of women uh, entering medical school. We have more women than men at Emory this year. Um, but what does that mean for the future? Because it's not simply about recruitment. It's also about retention. And retention has to also include faculty development, 
and includes sponsorship. So as chair of our executive committee and overseeing our advocate process within the department, and what that is is every new faculty who joins us, uh, they get a senior faculty mentor, I ensure that we talk about things like implicit slash unconscious bias uh, and keep us and hold us accountable to these things that can impact how we look um, as a department. And until we get to that layer of appreciation and understanding across our enterprise, I will serve as that person. I will be that woman to always raise my hand and ask questions if I, it appears uh, that there are people missing from the table. And I refute the argument that, well, there aren't any or there aren't enough. That's just simply not true. Um, and it just requires uh, enough of us, again, a critical mass of us, which I commend AWIM for and others uh, who are trying to push the needle to move us forward. And let me be clear, I don't think it it is instead of, right? I, I think there's a notion that perhaps uh, women who are leaders or women who are moving forward uh, are going to, quote, unquote, move others out. And that could couldn't be farther from the truth. It's not either or, it's either and. It's additive, not not subtractive, on how we can work together to move forward. And no one ever questions if they see an all men anything because it's normative and that's what we're used to seeing. And so we should strive to believe and think that women are equally as capable, able, and available to be participatory along the spectrum of not just medicine, but in life. Absolutely agree, and thank you for continuing to be that voice at the table. What of your many career accomplishments would you say you're most proud of? Wow, okay. <laughs> what am I most proud of? You know, I I, uh, I am humbled, let me just say, by the many accolades and awards and all these things that I've been privileged and blessed to obtain. But for me personally, it's about my own personal wellness within my professional space. So what I'm most proud of is my ability to maintain my sense of who Cheryl is through all the quote-unquote accolades, because at the end of the day, they really don't matter. <laughs> um, when I close my eyes and people may say, oh, yeah, I remember this and I remember that about Cheryl, it really, for me, is to look around and feel that I have impacted the many, many women and men, frankly, uh, who are coming up in this world of medicine. And this goes into my wellness piece and well-being piece because if after 22 years I am most proud or can say that I love medicine, I would do it again in a heartbeat, that has nothing to do with my awards. It has everything to do with cultivating who I am as a person through my faith and my family to end up at this space and place to be my best self. So I can't really say, Michelle, you know, the one thing, uh, to hang my hat on a thing, but I can say it's the multiple of things that has still enabled me to feel empowered by the work that I do, um, excited about the work that I do, and joyful about making a difference for 
our patients and those around me who are striving to be successful in medicine. I'd say that's absolutely something to be proud of, so thank you. Mm -hmm. What piece of advice would you give a younger version of yourself or an AWEM member at an earlier stage of her career? Good question. Um, the younger version is always strive to be excellent. And excellent doesn't mean that you're perfect. And excellent doesn't mean that you won't make mistakes. And if you do make mistakes, it'll be okay. And you will rise up and thrive and continue moving forward because you're anchored. So I learned and I just finished talking with a student and I, I've come to ask people, what are your anchors? And I would always ask anyone as you're traveling this journey called life on this train we call life, to find your anchors. What anchors you? Because without anchors, we're just going to drift away. And so if I ask someone, what are your anchors in life, and they have struggles or challenges trying to find out what they are, then I say, you better find some anchors. And with those anchors, you know, you can hoist them in and they will sink down and you will stay firm no matter what comes your way, to toss you from side to side. Because at the end of the day, things will toss you from side to side. But when you know your anchors and therefore lean on your anchors, you'll be able to stand and stand strong or perhaps even stronger. Because when you're tossed around, you're, you have to swim. And when you swim, you develop some muscles. And when you develop some muscles, you're able to withstand and go back to toil again another day. So, you know, Develop some anchors, stay strong in them, nurture them, and give yourself a break and permission to know that you're not perfect. Great advice. Please name three other A1 members we should interview, um, perhaps one around your career stage, one a little bit more junior, and one who's slightly more senior. So, you know, I was thinking about that question, um, and I know they may or may not be a members, but certainly um, if she's not uh, in your in your midst, I would think uh, people who I've been sort of respectful of and very fond of uh, is Tammy Quest. She's a little bit under the radar. I don't know to what degree Tammy has been involved in SAM or A1 for that matter, but Tammy uh, is at Emory. She is essentially the godmother of palliative care, serving as the president now, think first emergency medicine physician, certainly a woman of color to serve as the president of the uh, American Hospital of Palliative Care or the Academy of Palliative Care. She essentially put palliative care on the map, and she's an incredibly vibrant and thoughtful uh, woman who, without question, has moved the needle. Um, she's about a year, a few years under uh, me, recruited her here to Emory, but also very exciting. And Nicole Franks is another one. She is about 11 years out, 12 years out. She's the chief quality officer here uh, at Emory, and she is also the president or chair now of the National Medical Association's Emergency Medicine Section. She is also a runner. She is uh, extremely um, focused and driven, and went to Spelman and, and Morehouse um, for her undergrad and medical school training, and has never sought or, or lost vision 
in the work that she that she's doing. Um, and then I guess somebody who is younger and coming up that's a that's a tough one. Um, I was at Fix It uh, conference and there were just so many women. I don't know if I need to. I uh, wish I had the list in front of me who um, could serve and, and participate in uh, this conversation. But but for me, I think uh, Sherry-Anne Caltizo, or Peckham, um, again, she's Emory, but uh, she is a first-year resident, just published uh, work in the Annals of Emergency Medicine on Sex Trafficking. Um, so it's clearly a rising star and one who, because of her lens towards uh, a topic near to me um, on human sex trafficking, is going to change uh, the narrative without question in my mind. Um, so those three uh, women are incredible. If I could throw in a fourth just because I love her to death, uh, Shana Zucker would be outstanding. Um, she's a resident now. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to go to fix it, but she is working on a curriculum uh, for LGBT health out of Tulane, and is just an incredible human being. So that was three plus one. You can decide <laughs> which one. We love it. You Thank may, you. You may desire. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please join us next week when we speak with Dr. Michelle Wall, the current president of AWEM, also from Emory, who talks about how AWEM has been critical to sponsorship and her own promotion. See you next time.